Well, shiver me timbers and call me Uncle Milkshake. Um, welcome to the Harland Highway, everybody. I mean, everybody. Uh, it is me, your host, Harlan Williams. Uh, thank you for joining us. And I really mean that. Thank you with a capital T-H, okay? Um, and to reward you for your patronage, uh, guess what? Today we are going to have a really long uh, analysis. I call it Sheenalysis of Charlie Sheen. We're going to break down some of his rantings, and I don't know. I might be the only guy in town that kind of thinks what uh, some of the stuff Charlie is saying is actually kind of cool and insightful and uh, has merit. Not necessarily defending his actions, but maybe defending some of his outlooks and his uh, philosophy on uh, on things. Uh, we're also going to be talking about massages for men, for people in general. Uh, we have a fun little St. Patty's Day visitor showing up at the studio today as we get ready for St. Patrick's Day coming up. And then sadly, it's Friday and I have to talk to Dr. Ascot which is a pain in the leprechaun. But nonetheless, you are on the Harlan Highway! Welcome to Harlan Highway. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. <laughs> Man, keep it going. Love the show. You're hilarious. My blanket, my blue blanket, give me my blue blanket. Fasten your seatbelt. You're riding down the Harland Highway. It's the Harland Highway. Have you checked the children? Oh, yeah, it is Friday, everybody. Oh. What a long, tiring week. You know what you should do? Do like I do. Go get a massage. And I don't want to see any of the guys rolling their eyes like it's a sissy thing to do, okay? That's what I thought at one time. Ew, I don't want to get a massage. I don't want... What is that? That's for babies, man. Somebody rubbing my muscles like I can't... Like I can't carry trees on my shoulders anymore. No, it feels good, people. The ladies know. The ladies go for massages all the time. In fact, I secretly think that's where they spend most of their income. You know? They pretend they spend it on fashion, but I think they go to, like, the 99-cent stores and buy cheap clothing, tell everyone it costs a fortune, and then go straight to the massage parlor and drop 200 bucks on an hour so Franz can run his fingers through your muscles and hydrogenate your back and pour oils all over your skins. Yeah, man. But dudes, you gotta try it, man. I have this girl that I call up. She comes right up to my house. And it's not kinky. It's not, it's not what you think, pervs. She's a legitimate masseuse. She brings her own table, her own oils, her own lawn darts, whatever. It's totally legit. And man, it is so nice. You put on your favorite tunes, your Black Sabbath or your Led Zeppelin or your George Michael for all I care. And you just lay there and let them work you over, man. And it just puts you into a nice, solid coma. 
perfect way to gear up for the weekend, boys and girls. Girls already know. So go for it, man. Go get a massage this weekend. That's that's my little tip. Show a little love to yourself. Okay, because I ain't coming over to do it for you. Especially with all those zits on your back, okay? I don't read Braille, player. Harland Williams. Harlan. Uh, my name is Deborah, and I saw you for the first time on Conan O'Brien. Oh, my word. I'm telling you, you are so funny. Super, super funny. Off the charts funny. I was laughing so loud, super loud, and my guts, my sides were just aching in pain, just happily hurting from just how deep I was laughing. You are a super funny guy. I'm going to start checking out all your podcasts and everything. Thanks for being unique, original, and super, super funny. Lots of love to you, Harlan. Bye-bye. See? Right there. Right there is why we do it. Well, what do you mean, we? Well, that's why I do it. Well, you, you said we. Well, I meant me. Well, where does that leave us? What do you mean, you? Well, who are you talking to? I'm talking to me. So, I'm confused. Yeah, well, so am I. What I'm saying is, thank you for the wonderful message. You know, hearing that kind of stuff is what fuels my fire, okay? And, uh... I'm so glad that, uh, you know, when you hear back from someone that you make them laugh till it hurts, uh, you got to love it. And uh, that's that's the whole reason I got into this career. That's why I go on Conan. That's why I do stand-up. That's why I do movies. That's why I do this. And uh, I hope each and every one of you, uh, you know, I'm not an idiot. I know that every bit's not going to get the laugh, and there might be uh, an opinion you might not agree with, or, you know, but I hope in every show, somewhere along the show, you, you get some insight, you get a laugh, you get uh, some information, regardless of how inaccurate or accurate it may be. Um, but thank you. Keep the calls coming, 888 500 2090. I have a great time on uh, Conan. They asked me to come back in the very near near future. We'll keep you posted on that. And uh, and rock and a roller. Hey, hey, hey! It's Harlan Williams here on the Harlan Highway. And uh, what a treat I have for you today! As you know, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. We actually have. A real live leprechaun here in studio today. How are you doing there? Uh, I think your name is Kringy McCringles. Aye, it's Kringy McCringles. Wow, and you're a, you're a leprechaun. Aye, that I be. I'm a leprechaun. And you're short. How uh, how tall are you? Well, now you're getting personal, and I'll kick you right between the legs. A harfy harf, a gorfty darf, a garfty darfty darfty darft. I beg your pardon. Okay, I didn't know what that meant, but uh, 
So what's it like being a leprechaun? I mean, do you, uh, what do you do? You run around and you uh, put curses on people? And well, we got around, we do the thing, the guy. We got the lucky cover, so we need the varsity, 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 varsity. Okay, you're going to have to slow down because I can't understand a word you're saying. Well, shimmy me timbers, shimmy goes, glorsty, gorsty, shimmy ding, scorbly, glorsty, scorsty, dorsty. All right, do you guys have your own language or what? Shiver me timbers over the rainbow. Scarfty, darfty, scarfty, garfty. Okay, I, I don't, this is going nowhere fast. Shiver me timbers, shiver me timbers, garfty, garfty, garfty. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this is turning into a real nightmare. Maybe I'll put a curse on you. Hushy, varsity, varsity, varsity. Oh, stop it! Varsity, garsty, varsity, garsty. Go back over the rainbow, find your pot of gold, and go sit on it. Harlan Williams. All right, now speaking of alternate realities or perfectly fine realities, let's get in to Char- Charlie Sheen, okay? I kind of waited a bit uh, for a lot of the interviews to kind of go through the uh, turnpike, you know. And, uh, you know, we just don't know with Charlie. At this moment, he could be dead, he could be alive, he could be partying, he could be drunk uh, on the floor, who knows? But there was something about watching Charlie that uh, I actually loved. And um, before I get into it, let me separate, you know, the bad stuff. Let me let me separate the fact that he's abused women. That's not good. No one should do it. Let's cut that off the conversation and move it to the side. Not cool. Not impressed by that crap. Okay? Doing the drugs and the boozing. It's not something I want for myself, and I don't think Charlie or anyone should condone it. So let's let's cut that badness out of the equation. But let's let's leave everything else there, okay? Let's leave Charlie and his opinions and his rantings and the things that he said. And you know what? I actually loved some of the stuff he was saying, minus the bad stuff I just kind of singled out. Because that's unacceptable. So let's get into it. Um, you know, th- I felt that like there was a real psychological aspect to what Charlie Sheen was saying, what he was doing, the way he was behaving. And here's a guy that came out, and it's almost like he left all his uh, societal guards at the door. He just kind of dropped the facade and just kind of sat there in front of the whole world, in front of the world media, and just kind of said exactly what was on his mind, exactly how he felt, and kind of spoke like a true spirit in a sense. And and I found it very refreshing, very revealing, and it was interesting because it feels like, or it felt like with some of the interviews I watched, that People were kind of taking a holier-than-thou approach and, you know, talking to him as if partying and uh, being excessive and uh, being radical and, uh, you know, a little unpredictable were like taboo. Like you should be hung at a stake and burnt like a witch, you know. And, yeah, Charlie was being kind of radical with his words and the things he was saying, but what the hell's wrong with that? Isn't it nice to see a celebrity, a legitimate celebrity, truly express themselves? 
I found it refreshing, hilarious, a little bit sad in a way because, you know, people didn't know what to do with it. But think of all the celebrities you see, man, giving speeches at the Oscar, doing the sound bites for Entertainment Tonight, going on the talk shows. It's the same old cardboard cutout crap that you see year after year after year after year, man. And here's a guy that just dropped his guard, and uh, we're going to listen. I'm going to play some of his, his words, and we'll go through and decipher them. And you see if you d- agree or disagree. You might think that, you know, I'm as nutty as he is. Or if you can take a moment to drop your holier-than-thou opinion, or if you can put yourself in his shoes and go, gee, I wonder what it would be like to just be really open and honest with my thoughts and not be pretentious and just say what I had to say. Like, think about that. When we all go to parties or in social events, you're usually very guarded or you choose your words carefully or, you you know, unless you get a little drunk, maybe you loosen up a little bit. But most of us are pretty civil, and that's kind of the way society works. But uh, how, how many of you really say what's on your mind in front of the crowd? How many of you are afraid to say what's on your mind because you think you'll be uh, an outcast? You think people will move away from you. You think people will not want to talk to you. Uh, People won't respect your opinion. So how many of you just play it safe and, uh, you know, hold your tongue and kind of go along with the vibe even though you don't agree with it? I I would submit that too many of us do that. Way too many. Most of us do that. And it was interesting to see a guy like Charlie just you know, any question he was asked, he says, boom, 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 boom. Here's what I do. I party hard. This is the way I think about things. Hey, I don't regret it. Do you regret it? Why should you care? I care about me. I don't care about you. Right? And he wasn't saying that in a selfish way. He was saying that kind of in a uh, philosophical way about how he just wanted to live his life and express himself. And it seems like people are lining up to vilify the guy and call him crazy and call him insane and call him like he's having a meltdown and he's breaking up. And, you know, I don't know about that. Now, if I'm being honest, I feel like some of his rants may have been inspired by, uh, you know, his brain may have been affected a little bit by excessive drug use. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But... It looks like he's rambling a bit and he's kind of wild-eyed, but even if he is, there's still coherent uh, coherent uh, conversations he's having. Um, they're eloquent, they're, they're well-worded, and just because he's using terminology we're not used to hearing, he's expressing himself better than a lot of people. He's, he's, he's being very articulate, and he's... He's he's quick. He's he doesn't even really need time to think of the answers. He's just self-assured and know what he wants to say, and he's confident. And I don't know. I don't know uh, if people get scared by that. I mean, you know, every one of us has partied and gone wild, and and you know, if we didn't live in the confines of society. That's probably all we do. We're we're really primitive when you when you peel away all the uh, societal uh, boundaries we've put up. 
And so here's a guy just saying, yeah, man, I party like a racehorse and uh, da-da-da. Now, keep in mind, he's got the money where he can afford to do it, but even if he didn't, you know, it, the things he's saying uh, feel like they're coming from, from uh, his true spirit. And, uh, you know, some of you are, like, disagreeing. Some of you are agreeing. But let's listen to some of his, uh, his, um, his interviews, and we'll, uh, we'll break it down. Here we go. Here's Charlie Sheen. Uh, being interviewed on a uh, national uh, television show. Your anger and your hate, I think, is coming off as erratic to people. Passion, my passion. It's all okay, passion. your passion yes. is coming off as erratic right. to people. Right, well, do you borrow my brain for five seconds and just be like, dude, can't handle it, unplug this bastard. Yeah, because it just it fires in a way that is, um, I don't know, maybe not from this particular uh, terrestrial uh, realm. So listen to that. I love that he used the word passion, okay? It's like if John McEnroe is on the tennis court and he starts yelling and screaming and we see his passion, we're, we're okay with it. We applaud it. We love it. We think it's funny. Um, and if Charlie Sheen goes on a rant and maybe he's angry and he's yelling and he's not actually using any physical force, but he's, he's letting out what he really feels and he's, he's uh, you know getting really passionate about uh, about a topic or his work or the people that are around him that he likes, that he hates, whatever. It's uh, I, I like it that he used the word passion, okay? Uh, this, this lady, you know, tried to categorize it as hatred and this and that, and I like the way Charlie was just like, it's passion, it's passion. Your anger and your hate, I think, is coming off as erratic to people. Passion, my passion. And then Charlie says it's passion, and she she accuses him of being erratic. And I'm like, what, why is it erratic? Because she doesn't think the way he does. You know, Charlie's clearly not kind of in in the uh, the line, the collective line of how everyone else kind of thinks and talks and behaves. So suddenly he's erratic. He's he's an outcast. And then Charlie answers, "Is like, hey, step into my brain for a while. You know, it, it's different. I'm I'm coming from a different place." And it's like, yeah, cool. Why why can't uh, she accept that? Let Let's keep going. I think some of those things that you're putting out there are making people think something's wrong with you. That's that's up. To, that has nothing to do with me, really. I mean, they, they're they're entitled to, I suppose, interpret stuff um, as they must. Some are, a doctor of what some are, you a are saying that of? you're bipolar. Wow, what does that mean? I guess that, you know, you're on two ends of the spectrum. Wow, and then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not going to happen. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? See, I, f I find that very interesting that, uh, you know, he, he just plainly says, it's like, look, people can interpret what I say, whatever they want. That That's their problem. But he should be allowed to express himself. And, and if it's a little radical and other people don't understand where he's at, um, you know, do you vilify him? Do you make him out to be a Frankenstein, like a weirdo, like a wacko? And Charlie just seems very comfortable. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I know I'm spouting off and I'm I'm ranting and I'm saying all these things and uh, people are, are rushing to judgment on me. But who cares? That's on them. And then the lady jumps to the old standby. You know, that's how it works these days. 
You know, when you were, when we were kids, did you ever hear the term bipolar? Nowadays, if anybody's just a little bit off or a little bit, you know, radical or edgy or moody, suddenly they're bipolar. And uh, he accuses her of, what, what are you, a doctor? Like, yeah, how does this lady have the gall to interpret something like that? Um, and then Charlie makes a great point. He goes, uh, so, so what do I do? You put me on medicine? You try to make me like everyone else? And I think that was that was a really kind of scary yet cool statement and a very intelligent one because, you know, when you look at all the pharmaceutical companies out there, all the chemicals, all the pills, all the crap that's being put out there to try and normalize everyone and, uh, you know, I don't know if it's to numb them or to correct them or... You know, but but Charlie makes a cool point. It's like, oh, so I have some kind of outspoken opinion, so you want to give me a pill so that I uh, fit right back in with the norm and uh, get back in line with everyone else and walk like a sheep and uh, don't cause any uh, disruptions, don't have an opinion. I mean, listen to that you again. Know, you're on two ends of the spectrum. Wow. And then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not going to happen. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? <laughs> See, if you can get around all the, all the stigma that's been attached to Charlie Sheen, I think that's a brilliant uh, comment, a brilliant statement. It's it's almost uh, it's almost uh, like prophecy, almost. Um, and and then I, I you know I laugh because then, then he adds his own. He's got these great lines at the end of stuff. He's like. I'm by winning. I win here. I win there. Like <laughs> that is cocky and confident and and funny. And uh, you know, and sure, there's people listening. Go, yeah. Well, it's all induced by drugs. Well, you don't know that. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Even if it is, it doesn't mean it doesn't have merit. Um. So let's keep going here. This is good. If I'm bipolar, aren't there moments where a guy, like, crashes in the corner, like, oh, my God, it's all my mom's fault? Shut up. Shut up. Stop. Move forward. Have you had any celebrities reach out to you to oh, try yeah. help you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, radical people like Sean Penn and Mel Gibson and Colin Farrell and just radical people. And, it's, and they're not telling me what to do. Who gave um, you the best piece of advice? No, they didn't give me any advice. And, and, and within that, there's great advice. Just, it's just, it was just love. See, that's a, that to me is a smart statement. Within that, there's great advice, he says. And, uh, and, and it's true. It, it's like, again, I'm going to go back to what is wrong with the guy spouting off and, and, and uh, proclaiming his opinion, you know? I, I don't have a problem with that. It's, it's like we, have, we live in a place in the United States where have you seen the, this group of people that show up at military funerals? And uh, and they they stand uh, in front of the funeral with signs saying we hate soldiers and screw the gays and uh, soldiers uh, suck and go to hell soldiers. This is as they're carrying the soldier's body into the graveyard. And, you know, the the Supreme Court recently ruled that that's perfectly legal, that, that that groups of people can amass and heckle are fallen warriors. And and yet uh, people jump all over uh, Charlie Sheen for, uh, you know, articulating uh, his thoughts, his feelings. 
And going back to the bipolar thing, I find it interesting that he's, you know, he, he, I, I think it's interesting the way, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that bipolar condition doesn't exist and that people don't need the assistance of pills and, and medical help, but the way he kind of put it was like, well, bipolar, when I'm supposed to go cry in the corner, oh, my mother, oh, my mother didn't love me, oh, and he's just like, shut up, move forward. Here, listen to it again. If I'm bipolar, aren't there moments where a guy, like, crashes in the corner, like, oh, my God, it's all my mom's fault? Shut up. Shut up. Stop. Move forward. Yeah. You know, I think we, we, we've, we've become a society, we live in a society where I've certainly seen this, where a lot of people, the minute uh, crap hits the fan or the minute they hit a low or they're a little insecure or something goes wrong in their life, they think, oh, my God, well, what's happening? I've got to get on some pills. I've got to I've got to straighten the ship. I've, I, I'm having a breakdown. I can't cope. I can't. And it just feels like people are becoming reliant on that. And, and and people quite easily seem to label people as bipolar or some kind of uh, chemical imbalance or disorder. And very often, I hate to say it, and again, I'm not a doctor, but just my observations. It's like Charlie said. It's like, you know what? Focus, shut up, and move forward. Right? It's almost, that's maybe the best pill you can swallow. I mean, you got to remember, there are people in India and China and underdeveloped countries that have all these same problems we, we go through. Do you think they have the glossy uh, $8 million commercial on television for bipolar disorder and depression and lack of sleep and, uh, you know, restless leg syndrome and all this garbage that, that you know, the pharmaceutical companies and uh, the money makers try to push down our throat? so that they can make a profit and and sell us pills to swallow they don't have that over there they just they just kind of get an affliction and uh they 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 deal with it and move through and yeah like i said some people do need it and some people even in india and china do need it but a lot of people it's just we're fragile humans are emotionally fragile and i guess what i liked about charlie's just like stop crying straighten up, take a deep breath, and move through. And you know what? Here's what I'm going to add to it. If you move through and you're still not getting there, then maybe look for that help, that extra bump. But so many people, just the minute something goes wrong, it's that's the result. So I like that. Let's keep going here. When was the last time you used? Use, uh, I, use, I use a blender. I use a vacuum cleaner. I use... Uh... You know, I, you know, household items. Uh, when was the last time I ingested or took drugs? Yes, when you was the last time you took drugs? Such an AA stupid um, expression or term. Uh, I don't remember. I do not remember. A week ago, two weeks Maybe ago, two ago, days ago. Six weeks. I don't know. I don't know. It was a couple days before the suits rolled in and said, change it, change everything. We're shutting you down. Now, here's where it starts to get a little bit sketchy and a little tragic, but let me let me comment on, you know, some of his terminology here. I like the way he he defended um, the word, the, the use of the word use. OK, uh, when when you say that, when was the last time you use that? That's terminology that kind of categorizes you and plugs you into a slot. And I like the way Charlie deflected that. 
You know, he kind of says, I use a vacuum cleaner. I use a blender. He, he, he wasn't going to let her stick him into a category. He, he was, by saying that, he was saying, you know what? I'm free. I'm me. I'm an individual. I'm a person. Don't lump me into your little title and your little label. And I, th- I think, again, in society, we love to label things. It makes things so much easier because then you don't have to cross-examine and really, you know, peel open the layers of a person. You can just go, oh, they're a user or they're this or they're that. And then it just locks them in and we don't have to examine uh, more elaborately who, who and what that individual is. So I like the way Charlie didn't, didn't let her uh, slam him into that category phase. Um, and then he kind of uh, slammed AA a little bit, which, uh, which you know what, I've got two feelings about that. I got A, you know, everyone has their own experience. And, and maybe some people are born to, to live and party hard and die, and that's what they want, and that's maybe what you should just let them do as tragic as it is. And then, you know, there's AA, which also probably uses, you know, a lot of these terms and tries to get everyone into a similar mindset. And in a way, they have to, if you will, brainwash you in a good way to recognizing good behavior so that you don't hurt yourself and continue your trends and ultimately kill yourself. But if someone decides to reject that, does that make them a demon? You know, are, are we not free people? Are we not allowed to say, you know what? I recognize the help. I recognize the treatment. I don't want it. I, I'm capable of t- taking responsibility, whether it's good or bad. Is it for us to decide, um, you know, what we do with these people? And there's cases where you go, well, they're they're so far gone. We have to take them under our wing. And yeah. A lot of time they do, but when you got someone that's so uh, stubborn and opinionated and, and really seems to embrace partying and excess, and it seems like it's part of their nature, the same way a, a great football player is born to run and throw the ball or a great singer is born to sing or a great dancer is born to dance, you got to remember some people are born just to party. That's that's their fuse. That's what, what, what's lit. That's what makes them go. And just because it's not our MO doesn't mean it's not theirs. Now, the part I don't like addressing addiction and, uh, and, uh, and addressing, um, you know, AA, look, I think that's an important program. I think it works, and I think it's helped millions of people. And if anyone out there who's listening is an addict, uh, I, I think those types of programs are crucial. I don't want anyone listening to think I don't support those. I certainly do. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, we're free, we're human. And if someone chooses to be a party machine, even if it leads to their own death, I mean, at what point are we, do we say, oh, you can't, you have to fit in with everyone else. That's all I'm saying. Let's keep going. Tell me about the last time you took drugs. The last time I took drugs, um, I probably took more than, than, than anybody could survive. You know, what are we um, talking about? How much? I don't know, man. I was banging seven gram rocks and finishing them because that's how I roll. I have one speed. I have one gear. Go. How so, do you survive that? Because I'm because I'm me. 
because I'm me, I'm different. I just have a different constitution. I have a different brain. I have a different heart. I have a different, you know, I got tiger blood, man. You don't worry that you're going to die when you take that many drugs? Dying's for fools. But you're Dying's only human. See, now there's where it gets a bit scary um, and a bit delusional, I'll be honest. But uh, at the same time, I still respect Charlie going, I'm me. I'm different. I've I've got tiger's blood, which is is ridiculous. He doesn't have tiger's blood. He he is just like the rest of us. But the, what I'm saying is psychologically, is he allowed to think that way? Is 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 is, is there a problem with him thinking he's that? And if he dies on the way, he obviously knows the risks. Then so be it. It looks sounds like he's accepted that. Either way, it's it's just a carnival. It's uh, it's interesting to see. Um, it's interesting to see a guy kind of stand out from the pack and just be that raw. I find it kind of fascinating, and I guess that's what this all boils down to. Again, uh, you know, I understand Charlie made what were interpreted to be some anti-Semitic remarks. He's, he's made threats to his wife, physical threats. Uh, obviously uh, partying so hard to the point where you cause yourself or others harm is is not smart. So none of that stuff I'm condoning, endorsing, or in agreement with. This is all about Charlie's, uh, you know, perspective from a psychological point of view and his uh, his form of expression. I find that an interesting study in... Uh, in a human being that's so high profile and just throws it all out there. So I just want to make it clear that's what I'm uh, I'm trying to kind of examine here. Um, and on that note, we've been going at it for a while here. Suddenly I'm turning into, uh, you know, Dr. Ascot or something. Um, we'll pick up some more uh, of this next week. There's a few more clips I want to analyze. And uh, you can see if you agree or disagree. And I think a lot of this is coming from a place where uh, I'll tell you one final little last story. When I was in high school, I remember I took a sociology class, okay? And this has stuck with me my whole life and in a way might have even helped me get to a place where I've always, uh, you know, I've always strived to... uh, find a bit of a flair in life and present unique things to people, step outside of the box and kind of, you know, not follow the pack, so to speak. Um, And uh, I remember in a sociology class in high school, the teacher made us read this this chapter about a guy who I guess it was back in like the, the 40s or something, there was a guy who liked to go uh, take a break from work and go and sit on the roof of the building and stare out at the world and and, and just uh, look at things and catch his breath and uh, get a new perspective and, uh, you know, who knows what he was doing up there. But I remember the sociological study was about how the rest of society reacted to that. Here was a guy that would sit up on the roof and people couldn't process that. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't deal with it. And so suddenly they kind of started labeling this guy as crazy and a lunatic and not right and abnormal. And, you know, they probably became scared and threatened and uneasy around the guy. 
And, uh, you know, the truth be told is he probably just wanted to step away from the rat race for an hour on his lunch break and and have a vantage point and sit up on the roof and feel the breeze in his hair and watch the clouds float by and look out over the rooftops and see the birds and hear the sounds. We've all done that. And I could relate to that story so much because as a kid, I used to do that. You know, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager full of angst, you you always kind of like to go to a place, whether it's your bedroom or your closet or your basement or there's a field you like to sit in or a bus stop. It's the same thing. I used to go up on my roof when I was a teenager. I'd sneak out my window and climb up on the roof of the house, and I loved it up there. I would sit up there at night, I would sit up there during the day, and I'd sit right on the very tip of the roof, and I would just take it all in, man. You could see all around, you know, 180 degrees in every direction, or 360, or whatever that term is. I don't know what the full circle is. Uh, I sit on a roof, I'm not that smart, okay? But uh, it was peaceful up there. It was tranquil. I could absorb my environment. I could collect my thoughts. I could, uh, you know, just sit up there and have a different perspective. And maybe it's not hip or cool to kind of find a partial way to side with what Charlie's doing. I don't know. But uh, I'll certainly voice my opinion on it. And Charlie's just kind of that guy with a different perspective. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's not like what he's saying is unintelligent. And maybe I'm overthinking it way too much. And maybe this has gone on way too long. And the only reason I'm doing it is because it personally fascinates me. You might be going, Harlan, enough with the Charlie. Turn it off. Um... But I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if there's a little bit of a lesson to be learned under all this. Or maybe he's just a buffoon. But as always on the Harland Highway, I let you decide. Everything I've said, I'm not forcing down your throat. I'm not trying to say this is the way it is. These are just some of my thoughts, my interpretations, my perceptions of it. But by no means do I stand on a soapbox and proclaim to be right and I also don't proclaim to be wrong. I just offer uh, I offer insight and thoughts based on my own my own views. Um, so uh, there you go. I'm going to leave it there. And oh my God, I just realized with all this uh, analysis going on as we wind down to the end of the show, there's one last piece of analysis we have to go through. Yeah, you guessed it. It's Friday. Ugh. It's time for me to have my brain picked by that moron, Dr. Ascot. Oh, God. Hello, Dr. Ascot. Hello, Arland. What are we doing today? You seem a little cranky today, Arland. Well, I'm always cranky around you. Arland. Well, you just... You get my goat. Holland, you don't have a goat. What are you talking about? You just said I get your goat, Holland. Yeah? Are you having delusions that you live on a farm? No, I don't. No, I'm not. I didn't mean it that way. Holland. What? 
I think maybe, Holland, you're having delusions. I'm not having delusions. It's a saying. You, you get my goat. Holland, I'm going to remind you you don't have a goat. <sighs> okay, I don't have a goat. That wasn't very convincing, Holland. Okay, what do you want to do about it? Holland, let me hear you make some goat noises. What? You said you had a goat. Let me hear the goat. I'd like to meet this goat. Don't do the little air quotation marks. Holland, those weren't quotation marks. Well, what were they? They were goat horns, Holland. They were goat horns. Clever, Ascot. Holland, let me meet the goat. No, you're not meeting my goat. Holland, what's his name? No, no, okay, you want to play this game? No, you're not meeting my goat. You're not meeting Charles. Your goat's name is Charles. Yeah, what about it? My father's name was Charles. Whoopie-doo, can we get on with something real here? Holland, I want to meet Charles the goat. No, what? This isn't real. Stop it. Holland. You're not going to let this go, are you, Ascot? Holland, I am here to work with you, to try and keep your mind clear, to try and keep your mind focused. If you are having delusions that you have a goat named Charles inside your head, we must expel those delusions. So stop it! Stop your rambling! Holland. And stop saying my name all the time! You do not know who I am? Holland. Yeah! So stop it! Holland. Ah! Let me meet the goat, Holland. Charles. Come out, Charles. What are you doing? Holland, I have an old tin can here. Why do you have an old tin can? Just in case I ever have to do goat therapy. Oh, so you were planning for this. Let me meet Charles right now or you will get a pink slip. You're going to give me a pink slip over an imaginary... Holland. Hi. <sighs> Pardon me. Hi, my name is Charles. Hello, Charles. Hi, Dr. Scott. What are you doing inside of Holland, Charles? I don't know. I'm just hanging around. That's not where you're supposed to be, Charles. I know, Dr. Scott. You smell. What did you say, Charles? You smell, Dr. Scott. Charles. Stop saying my name, Dr. Scott. Charles. Stop it. Charles, I have for you a little treat. All right, is that enough? One last thing. Charles. 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 It's Harland. Holland. Oh God! What do I? What do I have to do? I want you to eat this tin can. You want me to eat a tin can? You are a goat, Holland. You must expel. I'm not eating a tin can. 
pink slip. Give me the tin can. Eat it. Eat it, Charles. Eat it. Uh, all right. I'm eating the tin can. <laughs> ow. Ow. It cuts. Eat it, Charles. Ow. Eat it, eat it, eat it, Charles. Ow! What's the matter? I cut my mouth up on the stupid can. God, get out of here! Would you like to be milked, Charles? Get out of here! Let me just grab your utter and make some goat cheese. Get out! Out! God, that guy is a certified dildo. You believe it? Making me... Making me... Anyways... Let's... Now the show's run long. Normally it's like half an hour. We were like ten minutes over. I'm probably going to get in trouble from my boss, Mr. Featherstone. What a way to end the show. Well, I hope you enjoyed it, folks. Sorry if I got long-winded with the Charlie Sheen stuff. But I'm going to do a little, another little segment on it <laughs> later next week. So get ready. Get ready for some more of my sheen sheenalysis, as I call it now. Um... Anyways, thank you for uh, joining. Uh, Don't forget, uh, you can uh, see me in uh, St. Louis next week, uh, March 17th through the 19th. And the following week, I will be uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, the 24th, the 25th, and the 26th of March. Uh, You can go on harlowwilliams.com and check my stand-up schedule for the name of the club, the showtime, the ticket prices, all that stuff. Reserve ahead because we uh, often sell out. Don't want you to be disappointed. Um, and uh, don't forget you can pick us up on Stitcher.com if you want to listen to us on your cellular device. Um, this is a shout-out to all my uh, my listeners overseas, Australia, the U.K., Everywhere uh, on the other side of the world, please spread the word on the Harland Highway. Let's get, uh, let's make this a uh, an international force to be reckoned with. And don't forget to shoot your email to saveashark at gmail dot com. We're trying to uh, put a, a dent in the uh, shark finning industry. Um, Send us a a, uh, a letter there, and we'll send you back the name and address of a restaurant that serves shark fin soup. And you can do your part by uh, sending them a letter that we will send you. Uh, you can sign it and mail it and hopefully, uh, you know, help stop a cruelty that's happening in the world. Um, so that's it for today, folks. I hope you had a groovy, groovy time, and, uh, we will catch you next time. And until then, please, chicken chow mein, baby. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what?